You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Ready Player One. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid, my mom too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Can you feel this? Um, yeah. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello. If you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Who is this Parzival, and how the hell is he winning? Find him. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. The Oasis. The world's most important economic resource. It's nothing less than a war. We're in control of the future. Welcome to the Rebellion, Wade. I only came here to escape. But I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? Help us save the Oasis. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Ready Player One, and the story is as follows. Set in 2045 with the world on the brink of chaos and collapse, people have found salvation in the Oasis, an expansive virtual reality universe created by the brilliant and eccentric James Halliday. When Halliday dies, he leaves his immense fortune to the first person to find a digital Easter egg he has hidden somewhere in the Oasis sparking a contest that grips the entire world. When an unlikely hero named Wade Watts decides to join the contest, he is hurled into a breakneck, reality-bending treasure hunt through a fantastical universe of mystery, discovery, and danger. The film is starring Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, Ben Mendelsohn, T.J. Miller, Simon Pegg, and Mark Rylance. It is directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Zach Penn and Ernest Klein. Joining me for this review, I have two guests. I have JD from Incession Film. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. And I also have Jorge from The Splash Report. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Ah, well, we're doing pretty fine over here, all things considering. Um, this is uh, definitely a, a, a very anticipated film this year, I would say. It's a Spielberg movie. It's got that spectacle label on top of it. Uh, it's something that, you know, I know audiences are definitely much anticipating because of the book. 
And also, too, that 80s nostalgia feeling. You know, there's a lot of people that got really, really excited when the first marketing materials for this movie presented themselves. I'm curious to know, um, because I I don't know this, so I'm going to ask both of you. Do we have any book readers here on the show who have read Ready Player One? I do not. Uh, I have not read it. I read it. I read it about a year or two ago. Oh, wow. Okay, good. So you're going to bring hopefully a different kind of insight to this. Um, With that said, actually, Jorge, let's start off with you first. What did you ultimately think of Steven Spielberg's newest film, Ready Player One? Uh, I enjoyed it overall. Um, You know, I didn't think it was his best movie. And my problems with it are probably different than most people's. But it it was it felt smaller than I wanted it to be. Um, You know, generally speaking, I think people know already that there's some differences between the plot of the book and the movie. And I'm fine with that normally. And I'm fine with it in this case, but the 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 movie just didn't always get to that like big stakes involved that I felt from reading the book. Um, but I liked it a lot. I, I really liked um, you know kind of the subtle analysis and what I believe. We'll talk about this more later, but what I think is like Spielberg's like reflection of himself in it. So overall, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, and JD. Um, well, I came into this film not reading the book, but I came in as a big fan of Steven Spielberg. And looking forward to that spectacle because I feel like we haven't seen it from him in a while. The BFG was a big letdown for me. So I was looking forward to the film and I had a lot of fun with the film. I do think that the script is flawed. Uh, it's, It's quite obvious in terms of where the plot is going and how all of that is laid out. But despite that uh in in the script i think the characters are very engaging i think ty sheridan and olivia cook are very engaging i love their chemistry i think they transcend um where the the where, where the script fails their characters in terms of progression and themes and everything um and all of that and i think if you're if you struggle with films that delve heavily into nostalgia just avoid this film altogether because ultimately i think that's all this film is is a celebration of nostalgia and you know different elements of pop culture that we all adore i think thematically speaking this film isn't saying anything interesting or new and in terms of the commentary here it's it's quite basic and i think that's fine i think i don't think that spielberg was attempting to do anything nuanced or interesting with that and if he wanted to i feel like it would have been a different film because we've seen spielberg do really interesting things inside sci-fi and fantasy look at close encounters uh, of the third kind i think that's one of the best films of all time in a very deeply layered film in terms of its commentary so i think this film is all about having fun and i think he succeeds in spades in doing that i think this is a, a film that you can sit down not think about it, just enjoy the characters and have a blast with the different references that are thrown out um, and how these characters um, engage in all of that. And and for me, that's where the film succeeds. You know, it's interesting because as I'm listening to you, um, I'm like saying to myself, okay, I don't agree with that. Okay, I kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I agree with that. Don't agree with that. And it's it, for me, it's just such a mixed bag. I mm-hmm. was baffled i think i think jorge i think i texted you (laughs) coming out of the screening i was completely beside myself that i did not overall love this movie because i thought based on the marketing material 
and you know the talent of Steven Spielberg being behind it and with all of the references all of the spectacle and all of the action I thought this was going to just blow me away and there were times where it did and listen I, I'm all for a movie where you don't really get much out of it it's kind of dumb but it's fun and you know what at the end of the day the story and the characters really help drive the plot forward. So, for example, stuff like Die Hard, you know, not the deepest movie there is out there, but, man, is that movie a great bit of fun? Um, the first Pirates of the Caribbean film, you know, it's like an action spectacle that's um, hearkening back to films like even Steven Spielberg's own the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, in many ways. Um, the first Transformers movie by Michael Bay. Say what you will about it, but that first film is a hell of a lot of fun. And it's big and it's dumb and it's loud and it's just fun. The problem with Ready Player One is I do believe that Spielberg had a message that he wanted to convey by telling this story. Mm. And I, I have to believe that because based upon what I've heard from people that have read the book, the book isn't really that good. Um, oh, and I don't think I disagree. Spielberg... I so disagree. Oh, oh, I so, oh, sorry. Go on, go on. Go on. Go on. Go no, on. No, 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 no. Please. That's why that I hey, That's why you're all here. I, I love hearing these different differences of opinion. So if, if you disagree, that's totally fine. Yep. I'm just telling you what I've heard from majority of people I've spoken to. Right. And I know, too, that this is not a straight adaptation. There is, like, a basic plot premise that Steven Spielberg ripped from the book, and everything else is kind of his own creation. Is that true, uh, Jorge? I think it's it's pretty close. I mean, I think just, you know, I won't give specific spoilers, but what's really different is that the tasks, the first and the second tasks, are different. That's really it. Everything else is pretty well, and the book is a little bit darker. Somebody dies in the book. I guess that's not a spoiler for the movie, so... Um, mm. Somebody actually dies in the book, so that's that's a little bit darker. So those are, I think, the differences. So would would you say though that the book is deeper than the movie? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think the book is. You know, what you were saying a minute ago about the fun that you didn't see. I, that's what I totally agree with. Um, as I was saying at first, and I think the book was just more fun. It the book was definitely like it felt like really the whole world was in the balance here, and like you were really rooting for this guy and for this kid and, and this group. And I that I. I just didn't get that from the movie. Um, so, you know, it's just funny because we're the, the three of us are having like exactly the opposite of what we liked and what we didn't like, which just kind of goes to show mm -hmm. that Spielberg refuses, you know, like it, it doesn't admit being, you know, um, re reduced that easily. I thought it was more profound in the movie than fun, um, which is it seems mm -hmm. like the opposite of what J.D. thought. So, yeah, uh, I see it. That's that's really interesting because I. Did not get that at all, and maybe it's because I really adore films like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, I really adore uh, Schindler's List. Like some of Spielberg's right. most profound work is some of my favorite filmmaking of all time. And Ready Player One isn't a film that's interested in talking about themes. It's not interested in slowing down the action or the plot to focus on the thematic undercurrent of the film it is all about its spectacle and getting from one action set piece to the other and of course it includes all these references along the way and i did find a lot of fun with that that you know race sequence in that first act is really incredible in terms oh, of yeah. the effects i love the use of non-score it's all about the the visceral sound 
of that race, oh, which is really interesting. Incredible. incredible. It's very, very good. There's a shining sequence, I'll say vaguely in the middle act of the film that again plays in a comedic way. If you've seen the film anyway, it's, it's really funny. Um, and then you get that, that big one at the end and it's, and it's all about this visual world and immersing you into it. And yeah, there is some commentary about, you know, being engulfed in this world and the dangers of all of it. But I found it so superficial because the film doesn't really slow down to focus on it in any sort of way. And so I kind of just shrugged it off as, okay, it's there. It's, you know, kind of in a very silly and fun way, just kind of pointing a finger at the dangers of getting too involved in all of this, but make sure you stay in the real world friends, you know, because that's what matters. <laughs> you know, that, that whole line at the end of the film where it basically says that is kind oh, it's of terrible. To me. It was terrible. It, 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 it was is. very silly. It's, yeah, I agree. And so, but, but the film was, so the film was never about that for me. It was all about having fun with nostalgia. And, and, and to me, I think it succeeds in that. And I, I agree that the script doesn't help the characters, that's where Ty Sheridan and Olivia Cook work for me because I think they do bring something really engaging in their performances that did make me root for them, despite the fact that, yeah, they're not the most deeply nuanced. We don't maybe truly understand all of their motives. The whole love story is a bit forced and rushed. And I, I didn't care because, again, it was about the spectacle for me, and I had fun with that. Well, here's my problem with that, okay? And that is simply that... You know, this is the guy, like we said before, that has made Close Encounters, that has made Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. And, okay, that's fine. If he wants to do a genre exercise, no problem. I mean, Martin Scorsese, he did it with Shutter Island, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, legendary filmmakers are free to explore and pay homage to, you know, their influences. And sometimes just have fun with a, with a film, whatever they mm-hmm. want to do, right? That's all well and good. But I'm sorry, I hold Spielberg up to a higher standard than that. And I have to based upon his filmography. You know what I mean? I, that that's certainly fair because we don't we don't expect Michael Bay to do anything beyond what he's capable of. So right, you know, right. I, I I understand it. I guess I'm trying to view it individually on its own without you know bringing in you know that baggage. I guess. But, but the film I, tries though. That's the thing that that's the thing. That but I don't know me. if it does. That that's where I would disagree. I I don't know if it does. Uh, no, it wants to be this social commentary on geek culture, and it tries to play its hand with um, expressing something about the differences between um, men in geek culture and women in geek culture. And it's two totally different things, but the film presents Olivia Cook and Ty Sheridan as two people that just love the same shit, and because they love the same shit, they fall in love with one another. And I don't think that that dynamic is A, believable, or B, a good representation of what people should be getting from this movie. I mean, the first time he sees her, he's practically slobbering over her, over how Mm -hmm. beautiful she is, and she's wearing a one-sleeve with tight jean shorts, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, really? Like, this is how you're going to choose to, like, show her character and her human form for the first time to him? But the film does point that out later, and in a comedic way of how dumb that is, though. Yeah, but then they have to f- have this tacked on forced ending about how, you know, he has to just take the leap and then he gets the girl. Mm-hmm. And even though, like, I-, I don't know, to me, it's like it's like empowering these men that watch like girls on Twitch and like practically <laughs> stalk them. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. It's basically empowering them to go further with that obsession. And 
I think that that's the wrong message to be sending right now. I think there needed to be more social commentary and more of a debate here and more of um, a clear statement from Spielberg about this film. It, it just it wasn't forward thinking enough for me. Can I actually ask a question, though, real quick before we get into the which I definitely want to discuss mm-hmm. your you know political or forward thinking commentary, because I thought something J.D. was saying I was interested in um, you were talking about how, uh, you know, it doesn't slow down to explore the messages. And what what about um, those moments where, you know, Halliday is talking to um, to Percival during the challenges and he's explaining his regrets to him and, and you know, the different times the movie like wouldn't you think that those are moments that that he's doing that and it actually reminds me a little bit of pan's labyrinth where there's like three trials and the girl you know olivia talks to um the monster and she's learning three things from you know three different things loyalty and friendship and things like that mm-hmm. you, you didn't think those worked or, or, or counted no. like those moments I, I i understand that there is somewhat of attempt to to bring some commentary it, it's certainly there but for me, Spielberg doesn't spend enough time fleshing any of that out. It, it all felt very hollow to me, very superficial as far as, you know, laying simple groundwork as far as, you know, here are the <clears throat> dangers of, you know, of uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. And it, to me, I, I never saw Spielberg uh, truly take any time to focus on it in a real way. That was palpable. I think it was all there to try to give this something a little bit of heft, but but you're not holding the film accountable for that. No, yet there's just you're letting the sense of fun override that. Yeah, there's so much spectacle to the film, and and it's clear to me anyway that that was Spielberg's focus on the film because it that's eighty percent of the movie, and and I feel like if he if he wanted to focus on character and those themes, he would have done that. He would have given us less spectacle. Um, and, and, and again, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm comparing it to previous works where he's done these very thematically nuanced films and, and, and they are very profound. And this film felt more like a Jurassic Park to me. It, it's, it's, it's about Actually, as fun. I was, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I was just going to say Jurassic Park. Like, Jurassic Park is about fun, though. It doesn't have to be. I mean, maybe it's not set yeah. out to be about those things, but. Maybe what we agree, it sounds like something we all agree on, maybe, is that there's a, maybe a little too much going on in in the sense that there's the fun, but he also wants to do a little bit of this, and he can't quite get yeah. there. Um, and that's a legit one or the other, criticism. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, for sure. And don't don't get me wrong, I had fun with this movie, but objectively speaking, if I was going to sit here and and criticize the film and give it a grade, which you know, Matt's going to make me do later on, <laughs> uh, then yeah, it's a flawed movie, no doubt about it. Yeah. But there's so much about that Spielbergian spectacle that he brings to this film. And maybe it's because I haven't seen it in a long time as well. That's part of it, that it was so much fun to be back in that world with him again for me anyway. All right. I want to talk a bit about uh, some other aspects here. I, I think that, uh, the comments now about the film in terms of, you know, how Spielberg uh, chose to tell the story and how he directed it. I think we've touched upon that pretty well here. Um, one thing I do want to express that I that I think was touched upon maybe a little bit, but it's a pet peeve of mine also with the screenplay of the film as well. And maybe one of you guys can dispute me on this. I don't believe there's a single character in this movie that has a true character arc. Nobody changes throughout this movie from where they begin and where they end at the end of the movie. Can anyone want to dispute me on that? Halliday. 
Yeah. Like, he's dead. <laughs> it's like, it's, okay, no. Like, it just doesn't, doesn't matter. He lives in you. Yeah. Oh, my he lives I kind of agree you. with that. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but I, I, I think I think that actually. You're so right about the other one. You're so right about, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yes. The other characters are just, no, they're not, they're avatars. I mean, literally and figuratively, they're avatars. Um, but yeah. I thought, oh wow, Halliday, you know, like Halliday had this arc where um, he he went actually from you know being this boy to this older man, and then regret. I don't want this will be a little spoilery, but so I won't say it. But it, it, he he regrets some things in his life, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I, okay, but just going back to the film's uh, chief complaint that we were saying before, it, it doesn't go any further beyond that, and I I can't help but feel like Mark Rylance. I don't know. To me, I felt like he was bored playing this role um, because he could have chosen to play it a number of different ways because he's trying to play this um, eccentric recluse, uh, this guy that's like socially awkward and not able to connect with other human beings. And it, it just like, it, it, I don't know, something about it just struck me as, um, I, I understand Mark Rylance loves working with Spielberg lately, but something about it just struck me as very off-putting and very odd about the whole thing. Um, to the point where I almost found it to be distracting that Mark Rylance was playing this character. Sure. I don't know. The, you know, the, the, there were there were slight criticisms I have throughout with the cast, but uh, I will single out the the praise for uh, Ben Mendelsohn, who to me, I felt like he was the only one that truly knew what kind of a movie he was in, even if Steven Spielberg himself didn't know what kind of a movie he was trying to make. Um, He's been very good. I, I, like... I thought that Ben Mendelsohn did a great job here. Yeah. I, I like Ben Mendelsohn. I, I I don't know. Maybe it's because I've seen him play this character before. I, he's very serviceable. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm on my own island in liking Ty Sheridan and Olivia Cook. I thought they had a great chemistry and uh, they were much more engaging to me than any anything else. I actually liked Mark Rylance. He, there there's a subtle poignancy to his performance that I I really did like. If any of the commentary of this film worked for me, it's because of his performance. Yeah. But the, yeah. the fact, yeah, the fact, though, that none of these characters have arcs or that they are literally you know, avatars that the whole film, I, that to me just points back to why a lot of the themes are hollow for me in the end and why ultimately it was all about the joy of what this experience can bring. Yeah, I, I just think with Mendelssohn, I was reading into it more as like he's the uh, corporate executive in Hollywood who doesn't understand uh, the social commentary and the youth of today, and it's just simply mm-hmm. trying to make money and achieve a goal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's using like all of this to his advantage to just try and uh, you know be successful. You know what I mean? Pretty, that, which is like, pretty. That, which is pretty. Ha- yeah, but that's. I mean, that's a pretty hackneyed like character too. You know, that's pretty cliche. Yeah. Mm. Very. Yeah, I would agree. Fair enough. The whole, the whole thing about it that's interesting, right? Is that like the the anxieties. That- of the 80s and the and the best dreams of the 80s are the future right it's like corporations that don't care about about us and machines controlling us um that's that's the 80s had anxieties over right Great terminator and total recall and all of that but then at the same time mm-hmm. they have this escapism that they wanted in the 80s so it's like the 80s being projected onto the 2040s um, but it makes it cliche because we've heard it before from the 80s so by definition i feel like something there's going to be a lack of originality unfortunately mm-hmm. Fair enough. I'm going to ask you guys a question, and then we're going to get to uh, final thoughts, grade out of 10, Oscar potential. Uh, JD, what was your single favorite reference in the film? Oh, easily the Shining sequence. 
uh, by far my favorite. I mean, there was there was some great references in the film that I, I really enjoyed. But as a big fan of The Shining, there's something about how that that blend of horror and comedy there that I. Uh, and I think perhaps part of it too, and I don't want to get too much into it, but the the central focus of that sequence is about a character that is that hasn't seen The Shining and is scared of horror films, and I am deeply afraid of horror films. Um, so mm-hmm. I could very much relate to the experience that that character was having in the moment. Um, and in a lot of ways it was, <laughs> I was reliving my experience of watching the shining the first time through this character. And, uh, I, there's a lot of attention to detail in the moment that Spielberg, I think gets right. And, uh, it made me giddy. I loved it. All right. And Jorge. Oh, I love the back to the future reference. That's great too. So, it's yeah. My- my favorite movie of all time, first of all, I mean, bar none, when people ask me. It is. It really is. I, I've seen that movie maybe wow. 100, maybe 200 times. And every little thing in there that he put in, like, I, did you guys, like, hear, like, the score when he uses the Zemeckis mm-hmm. cube? Like, he uses yeah. one four. And I love that. And I don't I actually don't think, I have to go back, but I don't think this Zemeckis cube was in the book. Maybe Ernest Klein came up with it with the adaptation. I thought it was fantastic. I, I was just like, I could have, you know, cried with laughter there. Um, I that, wonder, oh, like, r- I wonder r- 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 if, fast. Yeah. Real fast before you move on, that moment during the race where he's in the car and he has to mm-hmm. go under the truck and the wheels come up and he glides under it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was mm-hmm. a, I thought that yeah. was a and also, use and, of, and I'm sure you guys noticed that like every time they shot the like the dashboard, like it had, you know, the November sixth, nineteen eighty five date. Yeah. Um but I was wondering like between the Shining and the Back to the Future, there's so many references, and you know, Matt, you'll tell us what your favorite was, but I wonder if you guys think, as I do, that Spielberg was telling us what his favorite kind of pop culture things are from the 80s or 70s. Yeah, probably. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I I, I definitely think so. I think there was a matter of uh, what could they get the rights to, but also, too, what what is Spielberg the fan? Right. Like the, yeah. the little boy inside of him. What, what yeah. does he want to see? Yeah. Even though Spielberg wasn't a little boy in the 80s. You, you know what I mean? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Sure. Um, okay. My favorite reference was I, – I was just thinking about this because I had one. And I'm going to I'm gonna brush it aside for something else entirely because it just took me by surprise and I had no idea it was coming. Uh, maybe you guys did. I didn't – this just totally shocked me. But the moment that Chucky gets unleashed. In oh, movie, my gosh. Great. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. That was not so in the awesome. Book. That is definitely not in the book. That was good. And that, that was and, such a great gag. And it's 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 so effective that the the use of profanity that comes right after felt appropriate. to me. Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely. It, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Because that was that was totally my reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> OK, so. uh you know, it's interesting because, like, we, we could talk about this movie for a very, very, very long time. Um, our time is a little limited. So what I would like to do is I'd like to give a platform where um, you guys can talk about uh, any final thoughts that maybe we didn't touch upon um, and just have the floor. So, J.D., final thoughts on Ready Player One. Um, I, yeah, we, we've covered the film quite a lot. I mean, I would agree with a lot of the criticisms that the script is very problematic. There is a lack of characterization. Uh, the overarching story is a bit rushed, contrived at times. It's arguably thematically misguided. Um, I think all of that is fair. I'm I'm not deeply immersed in the video game world or even in mainstream pop culture 
enough to to truly speak on it um, outside of you know movie pop culture, obviously. But um, I I liked the use of nostalgia here. To me, it felt like an exercise in embracing and celebrating nostalgia, which I love to do on my own anyway. So there's a lot about that. Uh, that subjectively just speaks to me. And I had a lot of fun with that. I mean, I think there's, there's so much attention to detail and in the filmmaking that um, I, I found really joyous. So that, that to me is where the, uh, the film thrives as far as giving a grade. It's really difficult because if I looking at it critically um, objectively, I'd probably give it like, um, I don't know, a six out of 10, maybe a seven out of 10, somewhere in that range. But subjectively, I, it's one of the funnest experiences I've had in the last four or five years. I mean, I really enjoyed it. So, um, I mean, take that for what it's worth. So, I mean, I liked it. Okay. Uh, Jorge, you know, that's funny. I agree with everything. A lot of it that you just said, I mean, I'm a big fan of nostalgia. I'm also not really immersed, uh, very deeply in pop culture outside of the movies. Uh, I really liked the movie. I really enjoyed it. There were definitely some, you know, some disappointments for me, as I said at the beginning. So it's not a perfect film, but I, I had a great time. I would definitely give it at least a seven. And I'm a little harsh, but I would definitely give it a seven. Okay. Um, I have a couple of thoughts here. <laughs> um, th- this is the most expensive looking video game I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, because there are times where I'm watching it and it looked like video game cutscenes to me. Um, I know that that was probably a very deliberate choice on Spielberg's part. I do think the use of performance capture, uh, the visual effects work, I mean, it, it's like as jaw-dropping as anything you've seen like in Avatar or any of the other films that have utilized the technology um, and will definitely probably be a contender, I would say, uh, for next year's Oscars in that realm, um, unless if, you know, the critics really don't go to bat for it in this way. Um, in any event, though, you know, the way that it's all looking like right now um, – Jeez Louise, this freaking movie. Um, it's heavy-handed. Uh, it, the story gets very confusing at times, especially by the time we get to the ending and the way it kind of tries to wrap itself up in a nice, neat little bow. Um, I just found it to be so contrived, and it really made me roll my eyes. And there were people that were in the screening with us that were just like, huh, really? Like, there was almost like... um. It was also like laughter and some of the hammy dialogue that there is at times. I mean, listen, for every breathtaking moment visually, there was a moment that would come afterwards that just was ham-fisted and just felt like it just belonged in a totally different movie overall. Or maybe this is just all part of the same film. I don't know. Another thing, too, I have a note written down for is the use of T.J. Miller in this movie. And I still don't know why or how um, Steven Spielberg, after these allegations that were thrown at T.J. Miller a couple of months ago, could not just redub the character. It, 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 it was a little odd to me uh, because, quite honestly, it was a distraction uh, now knowing what we know about him. And I think it takes away from the movie in some ways, um, the fact that he's present. You know, if they could, if they could insert Christopher Plummer, in a live-action film, they can easily bring another actor into the studio and redub his lines. Because T.J. Miller, the actor himself, is never in the movie. It's all voice work. So that was a little odd at times. And then um, the other thing I also want to just touch upon as well with this movie is just the simple fact that, uh, like I was saying before, I, I don't think that this movie deserves a pass. 
You know, and there were times where I am willing to give a movie a pass, but I have to hold Spielberg to a higher standard because he's Steven Spielberg. And I do believe that there was a message that he was trying to go for with uh, the virtual world versus the reality of the real world and how one is better than the other. And also, too, just a commentary on fandom, uh, geek, geek culture, whatever you want to call it. But it's just so surface level. And there's nothing else beyond that at this point. So all of that for me uh, was a big wasted opportunity. And I was left very disappointed by this movie overall. I I, I give it a 5 out of 10. I, I'm like literally in the middle. And I know I'm coming off maybe more negative than than I than my greed reflects. But um, there were certain things I did like about it. I think technically on a technical level, this film is freaking marvelous. Um, and it's just amazing to look at. But then you have like a scene where the two clash, like Jorge, for example, um, there's like a dance sequence where they're at a club. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is a combination where it's like the love story between the two characters uh, doesn't work. You have like very corny dialogue, but yet there's like this really cool visual sequence with the two where they're like floating in the air and dancing. And it like Steven Spielberg's camera is moving and it's just really, really cool to look at. But just some of those elements of the screenplay just shine through in a very negative way there you know and that's that to me is like the perfect summary of what this movie was like for me at least while watching it you know it's funny because you're like you know as we're as we're talking i'm thinking about uh, you know how movies like especially action movies or whatever they always like telegraph to you something that's going to happen at the end like the typical example is the james bonds movies right they go through all the new toys and you know they're going to be used at some point yeah and there's a little bit of that here like they show you some items at you know at some parts and you're like well of course at some point they're going to be part of the plot and I always roll my eyes at that because I'm like, God, do you really have to tell us everything that's going to happen? And yet there's a, you know, there's a whole sequence towards the end. And I, I don't I want to I'll be vague about it. But like the whole last challenge is supposed to have like all these surprises and they just kind of come out of nowhere. They feel really fake. Like, oh, he discovered that this is what he had to do to win the new challenge. And it's just it's kind of a little disjointed. And I think that's maybe a little bit of what you're talking about. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I do apologize to everyone. Uh, JD uh, had to uh, unfortunately leave the the conversation. Um, I'm sure he would love for me to say, though, that you can find all of his work at InSessionFilm.com and also on the podcast known as the InSession Film Podcast, which is a great friend to the Next Best Picture podcast. We love JD and his work that he does with Brendan over there, and we highly urge everyone to check it out. Um, JD's grade... Seven, six, eight, whatever it is, it is. Uh, Jorge, what I'd like to discuss with you, though, is I'd like to discuss the Oscar potential uh, that you think this film has, uh, considering that we're at the tail end of March. Can it even go the distance for visual effects, sound editing, and sound mixing, in your opinion? I don't think so. So no, you don't even foresee the nomination. Oh, a nomination, it's possible. I, you know, a movie that, I mean, I guess you'll probably tell me, but like movies that get nominations in those like really kind of lower, lower, lower tech categories that come out this early. I mean, it happens, but it tends to be the summer one. It is Spielberg. It could happen. Certainly visual effects. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now I'd say it's my winner for visual effects. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, no offense to Black Panther or anything. I mean, I give <laughs> Black Panther costumes, but visual effects, I mean, how do you say no to something like this? No, this one has better visual effects for sure. Um, but, but you know what? Like, don't forget, this is the kind of thing where, and I don't think Black Panther is going to have a Best Picture nomination. But if it has a Best Picture nomination and this has one nomination, you know what's going to happen, right? The one with the Best Picture nomination is going to win, as it always does. Sure. Things like sure. that. Things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, I can understand that wholeheartedly. Yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. Okay, very cool. Uh, excellent. 
Jorge, where can I find you on the internet? Uh, at SplashReport.com and on Twitter at JDonBurnham. Well, thank you so much for joining me and everyone else for listening to our review of Ready Player One on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. However, if you are going to give us less than five stars, or even if you are going to give five stars, hey, you know, whatever you want to do, you can leave us a review, give us some feedback, let us know what you think of the show, what we can improve on. We would really, really, really greatly appreciate that level of support. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.